What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 18th episode of the Jim Jag Podcast. Uh, this is the 18th episode. It's it's a week late, but better late than never. We had some technical difficulties with our recording last week, and uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get our podcast out to you last week. But we're here this week. We've got our full lineup. We've got Hunter Evans back with us. We've got Scott Klein here, my co-host, too. And, of course, I'm Jordan DeLugo. Thanks for tuning into the Gen Jag podcast. I'm calling this 18.5. <laughs> this is round yeah, two. This is podcast 18.5. Um, Hunter, got some kind of exciting news on the coaching front. I did. I did. I, Our resident coach got I found got a, a new, new job. I, did. I didn't even hear about this. I yeah. found a new job. Yeah, I found a new home. I'll be at Creekside. Creekside, hey, Creekside High nice. School. Yeah, yeah and nice. what is your going to... what's What's your uh, job title going to be uh, over there? Officially going to be working with receivers, mainly slots. Um, with the offense they run, it's a it's a variant of the old school triple, but in a spread out pistol or gun pistol stuff. So that sounds fun. like fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Something new to work with. Completely awesome. new. So, Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. Sink your teeth into that. Yeah, Scott. He's still got two kids. I don't have a football job. Still looking. <laughs> Tom, where you at? No, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, you're listening to the Gen Jack podcast, episode 18 here. The Jaguars have had a massive day in terms of uh, in terms of news, and really just a massive week. Um, before we get into that news, we're going to talk about some Gen Jag news, and that is um, we've got our own seating section for 2016. We very excitedly brought you this announcement last week, but of course, <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, Gen Jag seating section, which means all your Gen Jag brothers and sisters are going to be sitting in section 216, which is in the uh, northwest end zone, kind of in between the end zone and the uh, side of the field there. And um, it's going to be a rocking time. We're really excited. Go to genjag.com. And uh, go over to our game day tab and click on sit with us. You'll be able to see all the information. Make sure to give Ben a call over at the Jaguars and renew your season tickets. The loyalty deadline for season ticket holders to renew and keep the same pricing as last year is February 28th. So not a whole lot of time left to do that. You want to make sure you get on that. Um, And again, section 216, go to jimjag.com. Go to our game day tab and click on sit with us and you'll be able to find out all the information there. I'm so excited about that. It's awesome. Just makes the party that four hours longer. Yeah. My only question is do my lo- does my loyalty pricing change if I change my my seats? Yes, you will still get the same pricing that someone <laughs> I'm sitting at four thirty two right now. Can I go down to the club <laughs> seats and yeah. keep my pricing? Yeah. I see where you're going there, honey. But, <laughs> but I don't I'm think that's saying, gonna work. When you the bold when you, choice, God. When that was posted, I was pretty excited because I've been looking to move, so it's perfect. Yeah. And the seats are gonna be if you have loyalty pricing, uh, about fifty bucks a game per seat. Not bad at all. And you know they're in the lower bowl. Um, they're not up in the nosebleeds, so just go check it out at jinjag.com again, the game day tab, click on sit with us. You'll find out all the information there. Um, before we get into all the Jaguars news, we've got to get a little shameless plugs in here. We already told you the website, jinjag.com. 
You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. We update both of those accounts pretty much daily with new Jaguars news, analysis, fun stuff. And then Twitter as well, at Generation Jag. That is going to be the number one source to get the latest news the quickest. Yeah. Twitter, um, for sure. We sometimes will post you know news that happens on there prior to actually posting an article about it. So make sure to go follow the Twitter account. Uh, I'm Jordan DeLugo again. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jordan DeLugo. I spell Jordan the right way. If you don't know which way that is, then I don't care for you to follow me. And DeLugo is spelled D-E-L-U-G-O. That's Jordan DeLugo. We've got Scott Klein on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. Klein is K-L-E-I-N. Then we've got Hunter Evans, at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven. So... Big news today, obviously. Um, the Jaguars <laughs> re-signed Avery Jones to a four-year, $16 million contract, so we'll be making just about $4 million a year there. Love it. And uh, he's got, I think, $6.5 guaranteed, $6.5 million guaranteed. Um, he'll be back. Aurelius Ben will be back. Uh, he's said to have a one-year deal with a team option for a second year. Um, obviously, he's a special teams guy, so he's not making a ton of money. So the numbers haven't even been released yet on that. But um, Still an important... Yeah, we'll get into him a little bit more, but we just want to get a little rundown here. The Jaguars also uh, restructured Chad Henney's contract today. No, no, no. Resign Chad Calm Henney. down. Oh, Lord. We'll get into that. That's going to be a fun topic right there. Uh Kelvin Beecham, the Jaguars have until midnight tonight, and if you're listening to this not on the day we recorded it, today is Wednesday, <clears throat> February the 15th. So if you're listening to this after this, the decision has already been made whether or not. But Kelvin Beecham, the Jaguars have to make a decision on whether to pick up his option um, tonight at, by midnight. The Tom Coughlin effect it can already be seen in full force down at the stadium in the Jaguars' offices and uh that's gonna be a fun little topic we're gonna get into some talk about free agency that's gonna be the majority of our shows upcoming until free agency starts and probably through a couple weeks of free agency um the franchise tag period opened today if you don't know what a franchise tag is it essentially is a tool that nfl teams have in order to keep some of their best players um Essentially, a team can, any free agent that they have, they can place the franchise tag on, and that franchise tag generally uh, will, will guarantee that player one-year contract, and they will be paid in the top five uh, at their position. So basically... A median of the top yeah, five. Yeah, to, a median of the top five at their position. Top five players, that is. And so, it's a valuable tool, but it's... It's a tool that has its ups and downs, its benefits and negatives, obviously. Um, We'll get into more of that in a little while. And we'll take a look at um, Jonathan Cyprian, Prince of Mukamara, two Jaguars starters in their secondary that are both up to be free agents. Um, We'll look at them and we'll look at some potential replacements for them. And we'll also make a case for our top three free agents that the Jaguars must sign. Each of us will give you a different list of their our top three, 
that the Jaguars should absolutely sign. Sign all three of these guys and you'll be good to go, Jaguars. So uh, without further ado, let's get into Julius Thomas. Uh, Earlier this week, actually at the tail end of last week, Julius Thomas, his contract, $3 million of it in 2017 became guaranteed, which essentially means if the Jaguars were planning on cutting him, they probably would have done it before they owed him $3 million. Yeah. So it essentially means Julius Thomas will likely... At least make it through training camp. He will likely be a Jaguar in 2017. And we think he should be. Are the Jaguars a better team if you get rid of Julius Thomas? No, they are <clears throat> arguably worse. They're definitely they worse. talent. You have less offensive firepower. He's still a guy that scored nine touchdowns in his two seasons in Jacksonville. That's, you know, that many touchdowns by a tight end in Jacksonville. Now, if, if you're keeping him... Is unprecedented. If you're keeping him on the team and he's block, run blocking every play, then no, he's hurting the team. That's, but that's another thing. That's true. That built me you need to work him into your offense. And you, as the offensive coordinator, as the head coach, Doug Marone, uh, and, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, they have to scheme to where these guys are doing what suits their, their talents. Uh, are you happy that Julius Thomas is staying around, Hunter? <sighs> Seemingly uh, staying. Around. Happy, yes and no. Uh, yeah. You're still disappointed like, with what he's done, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, the prospects yeah. of Julius Thomas is through the roof, but the <clears throat> I don't I want to say production. It's just the hype that he came in with, and I, I feel like the promise we were given was not what we received. And I don't know why that is. I think it's because Blake Bortles didn't play well enough in 2017. That's very well possible. And because Julius Thomas has missed 11 out of his 32 possible starts for the Jaguars. I mean, I think that's it right there. And those two things combined lead to Julius Thomas probably not being as uh, excited about playing the game, probably not giving maybe maximum effort that he should be giving. Plus, and just being unhappy. Plus, going, looking at a play and go, Julius Thomas blew another block. Yeah. Well, blew, blew up the play. He shouldn't be in blocking situations. Exactly. You put him in the slot or just outside the tight, other tight end where a tight end would be lined up if they're right on the line. And you have him run team routes. You have, oh. him, run, you have him run out routes. He can do that. You have him run slants. I think even that's a fail, like, failure of using Julius Thomas. Like, look at... Uh, like a Jordan Reed in Washington. Look, he's, he's does Washington try to make him block? But no. no, I'm not saying necessarily block. But like, look how they use him in the passing game, even in the run game. He might not be a blocker, but if you take a Julius Thomas and you throw him out wide at the numbers, and you put a mismatch of like an Allen Robinson or something in the slot, you off one, you automatically know what the coverage is. If it's man coverage, you're not getting a corner on top of Julius Thomas. Okay. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So you know, based off of that, what your coverage is, a little bit of a key, a little bit of a trigger for Blake Bortles, should make that easier for him. Plus it makes the defense <clears throat> think. It, that, it makes them question. that it's, They're not as comfortable with Julius Thomas being out wide. having like, okay, do we... Exactly. And let's just say you get a team that plays a lot of man. Mm-hmm. You put Julius Thomas out, you take a box safety or a backer out of the box, out of the the yeah. realm of the box, yeah. which opens up the run game. 
So, or you can take advantage <laughs> of a linebacker being on Julius Thompson. Yeah, but it's just it's the fact I don't think they've used him right at all. Mm-hmm. Also, is like what we were saying with him not playing, but the fact that they haven't used him when he has played has affected him. Look, I mean, Jordan Reed, Gronkowski, uh, you know, the double murderer Aaron Hernandez when he was <laughs> around. But, like, look at these tight ends. That you can relate to Julius Thomas. Their skill sets are slightly different. I feel like... But teams get creative correct. to get these athletic that's, tight ends the ball. That's, that's, that's what, good, that's what good, good coaches do. And they get creative not only to get them the ball, but to confuse defenses. Exactly. Because it's not and always about other getting matchups. them the ball. Right. But if you can put them in a position that the guy you are getting the ball is in the best position to get yeah. the ball, it it helps everybody. And not only does it help everybody getting the ball, it helps the <laughs> one person that we as Jaguar fans need help. And that's the Julius Thomas is arguably better for the run game on the outside than he is, than he is blocking. Uh, I don't think that's arguable. <laughs> I think sad. there's no question. It's pretty bad when the tight end is like that's that. That's crazy. There's no question. He's not a real tight end. That's not what he is. No, he's a, he's an H. He's a flex back. So, Julius Thomas sticking around. A lot of people have different opinions on it. I'm happy about it. I think everybody can say the Jaguars are better with him on their roster. Yeah. If you don't think that, you... I don't know what to tell you. You got some issues. You don't know football. (laughs) Now, the Jaguars also, in a move that I don't think really bothered anyone, I don't think anyone has anything negative to say about this, re-signed Avery Jones again, four years, $16 million, $6.5 million guaranteed. This is a guy that went undrafted in 2013, made the Jaguars roster, and ever since then has continued to work and to build his way up and... In 2015, he was able to get some good reps, uh, and he showed out pretty well. And then in 2016, Roy Miller went down week seven, uh, you know, with uh, torn Achilles and was out for the season. Avery Jones steps in for Roy Miller, who Roy Miller is one of the best nose tackles in football at stuffing the run, mm-hmm. bar none. One of the most underrated Jaguars and football players in general. And Avery Jones comes in. And in my estimation, outplayed Roy Miller. Yeah, you, you hope a guy you hope a backup can come in and not be a liability. Well this guy did more than that. He came in and made plays. Yeah. He was in the backfield being disruptive. He was Yeah. Six foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds, but you know, sometimes he's got those moves like a gazelle. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, and he's got the strength obviously to manhandle a lot of guards and uh, centers inside and He's a versatile player. He can line up at more than one position on the defensive line, but his primary position will be I think he, uh, nose tackle. He played some DN when uh, Audrey went out a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when injuries happen, you see what guys can do in terms of versatility. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, again, 2013 undrafted free agent out of Georgia, and he's just become really, in my opinion, a guy that is no doubt quality enough to be a starter in the NFL. A oh, good yeah. starter. He and, would have gotten paid. And two yeah, if he if the Jaguars had <laughs> oh, not re-signed him, he would have gotten paid more in free agency. Uh, he took a hometown discount in my estimation because he wanted to stay here. He's, he really seems like he, he loves him. Jacksonville. He loves the fact that uh, the Jaguars really, you know, gave him his only opportunity and um, he's flourished. Uh, he's a guy that it, I have a hard time thinking Roy Miller is going to start over Avery Jones. 
He might. Yeah, he. I really do. And Avery Jones believes that, that he's a starter. He said he do, believes he deserves to be the starter. But he also said he doesn't know what the Jaguars think if he's going to be the starter or if Roy Miller is going to be the starter. They're paying. But him he said well. he's going to do everything. He can to make sure the Jaguars know he's the starter. Yeah. So that's what you want to see. Now, both guys, Roy Miller and um, Avery Jones, are going to be making pretty much the exact same amount of money. Uh, Jones is only 25, however, and Miller's getting close to being on the wrong side of 30. And, um, you know, who knows how long Roy Miller will be around. Uh, Obviously, both players can coexist. They both can't start, though. Yeah, but when you're paying two guys a total of eight million, you're that's paying less than the premier nose tackles in football and, for and one it, player. Yeah, and, and having, you're getting two players and having a fifty-fifty split on snaps, which I don't know if it'll be that close. But you'll keep them both fresh, keep oh, them yeah. both going hard. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be a really good situation. Um, the Jaguars also signed Aurelius Ben today. Uh, Aurelius Ben, similar to Jones, has a really good story. He started out really hot in his NFL career as a rookie, playing really well, and uh, injuries really derailed his career. Uh, prior to 2016, he hadn't scored a touchdown since 2011. So good to see. And that. his touchdown in 2016 was a 51-yard game <laughs> winner, and that was just awesome to see. But his his value really is an, as a receiver. Now, as a receiver, he can block on the outside really He's well in running situations or wide receiver screens, short wide receiver uh, uh, outs or anything like that. He can certainly block. But his primary value is as a special teams <clears throat> gunner. According to Adam Podolesh, who is now <clears> – he scouts the NFL now mainly for special teams, but he's a former Jaguars and Bears punter. He said that Aurelius Ben was by far the most successful uh, – special teams player for the Jaguars in 2016. Mm-hmm. And he's very high on Ben. And Podolesh is a really bright guy. And if he's studying Ben and studying special teams regularly and he believes in Ben, then I obviously do too. And I believe this is a Joe DiCamillis signing. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember who it was that um, that said this, but they, they said usually Joe likes to have an ace on yeah, special teams. Yeah, I think Mike, Mike K might have said that. Yeah. But yeah, Jody Camillus. Um, yeah, Jody Camillus. He's the Jaguars' new special teams coordinator, and he's one of the most well-respected in the league. And if he wants to bring back Aurelius Ben to be one of his gunners, I'm all for it too. Uh, and Hunter's showing us a quote here from Avery Jones. I really didn't want to leave and have to see from the outside what this. Excuse me. I really didn't want to leave and then have to see from the outside looking in what this team is about to become. So Avery's very confident this Jaguars <laughs> roster has what it takes to take it to the next level. And I feel like that's a that's a feeling in the locker room as a it whole. It is. I think everybody believes it. It's That kind of quote is not a quote you see from professional athletes much at all nowadays. You like, think Cleveland players are out there saying, <laughs> I can't wait for what we're going to become. Well, like, that, look at any sport. What professional athletes have stuff like that nowadays? Like, yeah, I'm gonna take a hometown discount on a bad team because there's the potential they're good. Like, yeah, that's that's that's, that's got to make some fans a little bit of excited. 
Oh, I think so, it should. I mean, everything about Avery Jones gets me excited. Me too, especially <laughs> when I say his name and I think immediately of a roast beef sandwich. Like, oh, God, don't tell I'm him you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I know he'd probably get mad, but A B R Y, not A R B Y. Something about a beef and cheddar. <laughs> now, um, the Jaguars, and this was by far the most contentious quote unquote signing of the day. Mm. Uh, air quotes over here. Um, Didn't do yourself any favors, Jaguars. Chad Henney restructured his contract with the Jaguars today. Uh, it's not clear what the restructuring has done, but essentially you've got to guess that the Jaguars essentially asked him to take a pay cut. And his cap number was going to be $3.25 million for 2017. I'm guessing now it will be somewhere in the 2.5 range. Uh and the, pro- the interesting thing about this is the way the Jaguars presented it and the way 1010XL kind of presented it uh, to listeners and fans. The Jaguars said, we've re-signed Chad Henney to we, a new contract. We've rewarded him for all of his hard work. Now this has people in an uproar. Why the hell are you re-signing Chad Henney? There's better quarterbacks out there. Well, I agree there are better quarterbacks out there. But they're not re-signing Chad Henney. That is not what they did. All they did was make his contract worth less money so they have more cap space to work with because they didn't have enough already. It's called a pay Just cap. kidding. They really did have more than enough. <laughs> but for whatever reason, they felt like they didn't, so they did it. Uh, don't let the Jaguars fool you. It was not a re-signing. It was basically a pay cut. It was a pay cut. Disguised as yeah. a re-signing, I guess? It's very strange to me, but... I don't want to call out our favorite team too much. Yeah. Their PR and social media always does a great job. So, however they want to present it, they can present it. But just know it's not a real re-signing. They're not extending his contract. And I'm sure, I, I, I don't know if a lot of people, would, would a lot of teams would call out, hey, by the way, this guy's getting a demotion. He's getting paid less. Right. We decided he's not worth as much. Right. And it's, it's, it's probably in thinking of Chad Henney. <laughs> Not wanting to call him out about what's going on, just yeah. to say, you know, oh, we've re- we've resigned. Yeah, you want to present it as nice as you can yeah. for your player who's there's always diligently be, served the team, you know. Yeah, there's always got to be a positive spin on things. Yeah, by all accounts, Henny is an ultimate leader, awesome sounding board in the quarterback meeting rooms, and uh, he's just a great mentor and teacher for Bortles. Uh, a lot of people don't want to hear that. Which I understand, but that's why he's around. He's not around to throw the football. He's around to bring knowledge, his knowledge of the game, his nine years of veteran experience, and uh, he's around to try to make Blake Bortles a better quarterback. And now 10-10 went on. Brent Martineau and the guys over there, they basically tried to frame this story as, now that they've done this with Chad Henney, it clearly means that the Jaguars won't make any quarterback moves in the offseason. Which, that's a load of crap. The Jaguars may very well not make any quarterback moves, but it won't be because they restructured Chad no. contract on February 15th. That's an old saying called, that's a nickel holding up a dime. <laughs> it's, a, it's small potatoes. It is. It really is small potatoes. Now, and a lot of people are saying, oh, well, this means Chad Henney's definitely going to be back in 2017. No, no, it really doesn't. Yeah. And 2000, 
prior to the 2016 season, the Jaguars re-signed uh, one of my favorite players that the Jaguars have had in recent memory, Ryan Davis. Guess what? He didn't play for the Jaguars in 2016. <laughs> they did that with Jason Babin a few years ago. The Jaguars can sign; they can do whatever they want and still get rid of this Gus guy. Gus Bradley got an extra year on his contract. He ain't coaching <laughs> next year. <laughs> That's the best example right there. That's good. That was a good How about that contract extension? <laughs> <laughs> and that was an extension. That, that was a real extension, not just a restructuring. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, now, Tom Coughlin is the Jaguars' executive vice president of football operations. He uh, he has already had a profound effect on the on the office, the team offices, and just uh, down at Everbank, things are different. They look different. Players and staff members are no longer allowed to wear hats inside the team offices. Could you imagine <laughs> that coming out of a Gus Bradley regime? Hell no. Can you imagine? Uh, on your next point, yeah. I, won't, I don't want to spoil it. Staff members, not players, <laughs> just staff members, are required to wear slacks instead of shorts. Love it. That was a staple of practices, <laughs> Gus Bradley and shorts. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I may be in the practices they'll be allowed. Who knows? <laughs> the coaches are going to be in full game day gear on practice days. No, it's sweatsuits. Here we go. Come on. <laughs> now, and I, I think all that is super, it's, it's not really important. It does set a tone. This is a professional building. Yeah. We're going to hold ourselves accountable. But what is the most interesting out of all this that has come out? Uh, staff members and coaches are now working six days a week instead of five days a week. They're working Monday through Saturday. You can sleep when you're dead. It's time to work. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. They're going to be putting in extra work. Uh, I like that. Anytime your guys that are coaching are putting in more work, is that not a good thing, Hunter? Mr. Resident Coach? Oh, God. I knew this. I, I don't know. Like, you don't know? <laughs> I, I have a hard time going all in with this, this mentality, this idea. Like, I'm sure the fans love it, and I'm sure a lot of people well, yeah, are like, oh, anti-Gus yeah, six days a week, they're coming in dressed, you know, for success and, sh- you know, shirt and tie and ready to go and... No hats and uh, I like hats, but does it make? <laughs> I don't know. Like, a, I think it all depends. I, I don't know. Like, I really don't know because it's about I've, changing the culture. It's a lot, it's, it is about it's, changing it's the culture, fluff. but I do. To me, I have and I'll so why. I have like views. I think from both sides. Um, when I was at my previous job when I first got there with the head coach that was there he was a very no nonsense like we're here to work he didn't go as far as the whole slacks and all that stuff but like well when you're coaching out of high school you know, no, no. there's I mean, only so much you yeah. can do to these guys but it is it's the same mentality of like I've been to places where you don't really work you come in and joke around for an hour or two and then go home but like the slacks I don't really agree with necessarily I understand the change in the culture, coming here to work, professionalism, and uh, the, the way they approach it, but um, the no hats, I think that's more of just a culture. Like, yeah, he's an cool. older guy. Like, you're not supposed to wear a hat inside, Scott. 
<laughs> but Tom Coughlin, you come down to this house and you tell me I can't yeah. wear a hat. Hey, but, Tom Coughlin <laughs> may be the ruler of the Jaguars' offices, but he is not the ruler of the Jim Jag offices. I'll wear three hats. Bring it on. Um, the six days a week, sometimes it's a necessity. But like I look I mean, at there's so much those guys have to do. Yeah, there is a lot. I mean, they're they're. They're already People working set home, up the Sunday. If you were listening, evaluation for players and then evaluation of free agents. If, if you were listening to this right now, and you think you know the work and the time and the effort that goes into a coach's job, unless you are a coach at a successful level, it's, you're you're wrong. It's more than game day and practice. It's more than you will ever know. It's more time away from your family. It's more time sitting there banging your head on a wall. Staring at the same play for three hours, trying to figure out what's going on, than you'll ever be able to expect. Yeah. Um, but like, okay, so Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops Ugh. is a Massive. comes in. He kicks Don't his guys out of the the building at like five o'clock. They're there, yeah, maybe six o'clock in the morning. But he kicks them out. Like he says, go home, see your families. Then you go with like a Tom Coughlin, Bill Belichick. They're there till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes we'll sleep there back up at five or six doing it again. So there's different mentalities. Maybe he'd win the big Your game more often if he stayed late. It can work both ways. Yeah, like, yeah. it's just, I'm we sure. We know it can work both ways. We've seen Pete Carroll pretty much do the same exact thing as Gus Bradley. Exactly. And it works perfectly in Seattle. To me, to me, this is... And it didn't work in New England when Pete Carroll was there. No. So, yeah. like, it's just all about this. Every, every single factor matters. And uh, it's just not cookie cutter. You can't just say, oh, Bill Belichick does this. That's what we're doing. We're going to win. To me, it's more about, okay, it's it's not really about you wear a hat. It's not about the fact that a hat is on your head and that physically it should not be on your head. It's not about slacks. They cover your legs. You need to wear slacks. It's we are holding ourselves to a standard. We're, this is how things should be done. We are going to be the best. We're going to act like the best. We are going to do everything in our power to get it done. We're going, and to, we're going to win dressing. Yeah. We're going to look better than you. We're yes. going to play better than you. And we're going to eat better lunch than you. Either. Yeah. And I think that's what it boils <laughs> down to. Like, it's that mentality of no matter what we do in life, we're going to be better. Yeah. And if it goes as far as how much better I brush my teeth in the morning, that's what they're going to do. And I think... The one thing that makes me a little bit excited more than I think it would is the comments that some of the players were making before the Coughlin hire of we need a no-nonsense come in and it's about winning, not necessarily about getting better. And Coughlin's bringing that mentality of everything we do, we're going to win. And I guarantee you when the players show up, they probably won't like it at first. Like When they have to show up and dress a certain way and act a certain way, they're not going to like it. But... Well, some do. Yeah. To me, some, some probably will. I mean, there is yeah. that those couple, that handful. Yeah. But, you know. I think they know they needed something different than what they were getting. Yeah. And you could they're open. just, I think they, you got to buy in or chip out. To, and I'm, 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 a, I'm a parent. I got two kids. And I don't want to say raising kids is like running a football team. Because what the hell do I know about running a football team? Oh, it's the exact same thing. But <laughs> people, much. I've learned people in general are going to get away with what they can get away with. Yep. If there are strict rules and regulations, yeah. and guess what? You live by the law or you hit the road. That's right. They're going to learn 
I got, we got to do everything the same th- way every single day, and we got to do it by the book. And if that's the way that you think is the right way, if that's what Tom Coughlin thinks can create a culture of winning within the rules, then that's what he's going to do. And that's, what, and that's what it tells me is that, hey, it's not going to be a freelancing, you know, do your own thing, whatever you feel like is going to make you a unique snowflake. It's going to be, we are molding you into grown men, into football players, into Super Bowl caliber football teams in the future. Yeah. And, that's, and that's, to me, what it, a big, a big uh, reason for even little rules like that. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It's the same thing as Catholic school, you know. Yeah. We used to have to wear ties and button downs. Have to wear it just right. Don't, don't don't unbutton that top button. What did it teach me? Nothing. <laughs> but it builds a culture. It does. Obviously, when you're a professional athlete, you're probably a little bit more mature than a high school student. You would be surprised. You want to know what it does more than anything, though? It does teach you, when the rules are not there, how to carry yourself just that much higher right. than the person that was not, you know, beaten down with those rules. Yeah, so now when guys leave here and they go to a place that's not like Tom Coughlin's organization, they're going to see a guy slacking off and they're going to be like, what the Exactly. Hell? Or even if Tom Coughlin's not here in a couple of years. Right. That structure, that mentality of following the rules will always be there, hopefully when the rules aren't there. Now, before we get hot and heavy into free agency talk, we're going to get into one more in-house guy who isn't technically a free agent yet, but Kelvin Beecham, he signed a deal that was a one-year deal with a team option for four years, $40 million after that. So... The Jaguars must make a decision on whether or not they're going to pick up that option by midnight tonight. Today is Wednesday, February 15th. By midnight tonight, the Jaguars must decide whether or not they're going to resign, excuse me, whether or not they're going to pick up Kelvin Beachum's contract option. If they don't pick it up, they still have every opportunity to sign him as they would any other free agent that's the Jaguars like free Cyprian, agent. Like Cyprian, Prince. Just like they did with yeah. Beecham. I mean, excuse me, just like they did with Avery Jones and Aurelius Benedict. Yeah. They, could not, they could not pick up the option and then they could sign Beecham tomorrow to a different contract. Mm-hmm. Be good to go. Um, <clears throat> do you guys think Kelvin Beecham should get the option picked up? I'm yes. surprised it hasn't been picked up already. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that it's uh, 6.41 p.m. on the day of the deadline n- could still be announced, but usually announcements like that happen a lot earlier in the day. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, either way, I think the Jaguars are going to push for Beecham to be on the team next year. Okay. One way or the other. Uh, he's playing the best left tackle the Jaguars have seen since way prior to drafting Luke Jokel. So... Um, well, maybe not way prior. He's probably playing at about the same level Eugene Monroe was when he was in Jacks. Maybe a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, you're listening to the Gen Jag podcast. You can find us at genjag.com. Uh, you can find all the latest news and analysis on genjag.com, all things Jaguars. You can find out more about our uh, 
about our fan group, which we have a lot of fun. We tailgate together, sit with the game, sit at the games with each other, and all that good stuff. Uh, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar on Twitter at Generation Jag. Again, I'm Jordan Delugo. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jordan Delugo. You can find Hunter Evans at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven. You can find Scott Klein at Scott Klein one on Twitter. Now we're going to get hot and heavy into some free agency talk. Jonathan Cyprian and Prince of Mukamara, two starters for the Jaguars in their secondary in 2016, are free agents. Should the Jaguars make an attempt to re-sign both or either of them prior to free agency opening up? What do we think? Sure. Sure. <laughs> I mean, Whoa, that's, that's... I, I'm, I'm probably the, the... I'm not as high on Prince as most people. Yeah. Um, Cyprian, I feel like we all know who he is. Um... I feel like most people don't really know who he is. I think most people have a skewed view of him. I really do. Cyprian was excellent in 2016. And I mean excellent. Pro Football Focus rated him a 98 uh, and run defense. I mean... Yeah, no, he's he's pretty solid. I've watched almost every Jonathan Cyprian uh, play from the 2016 season. Jonathan Cyprian played at an extremely high level. He played mostly in the box. And the knock on him is that he's not a uh, cover two, you know, deep man safety. Yeah. He can't do it. Uh, Now, he showed that he can do it in 2016. Was he always the most effective at it? No. But he's at least average to just below average in coverage. He's not as bad as you think he is in coverage. Uh, And he's actually better in coverage when he's lining up on a tight end or getting a running back out of the backfield when he's close to the line of scrimmage than he is when he's playing uh, deep safety, which most people don't think he can cover a tight end or a running back out of the backfield. He did it pretty damn good in 2016. So it's pretty surprising. But if you watch every play... You'll see it. The problem is with Cyprian, there's always a couple plays a game where there's a bad angle or a missed tackle, and that's what fans remember. They don't remember the 10 tackles he made within five yards of the line of scrimmage that helped his team out tremendously. The one play he missed. Right. And I think that's a little bit of the same thing with people that don't appreciate Prince. I'm not trying to call you out here, Scott. <laughs> no, no, But Prince made a lot of really good plays. And when you don't notice a cornerback, that's a good thing. You usually did not notice Prince of Mugamara. It helps when... And he's great in run defense. Yeah. He's a great run defender at cornerback. Like, you're not going to find many better than him. Besides maybe uh, his uh, running mate across the field, Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> but uh, And that's probably another reason why his... He might not have been focused on as much as Jalen Ramsey wasn't on the opposite side of the field. That's absolutely right. Um, I'm in favor. I'll say I would be okay with bringing back both of them. Yeah. I would be fine with it. I think you keep together a good secondary, one of the better secondaries in football last year, and you keep building that defensive line to try to get a disruptive force, mm-hmm. and uh, you roll with it. Now... Uh, 
I do think there's better options than Prince of Mukamara and better options than Jonathan Zipriam. But then you're talking about spending mega money. You're talking about risking losing Cyprian or Prince to try to go pursue one of these guys. Mm-hmm. But we're going to look at these guys because there is a long list of impressive free agents at both cornerback and strong mm-hmm. safety. And again, none of these guys have been re-signed by their former team. They still have the opportunity to be re-signed by their former team. All of them do. But there's some interesting situations. We'll start with Prince of Mukamara, the Jaguars' starting cornerback in 2016, and look at some of his replacements, potential replacements. We'll start with who... We'll start with probably the most well-known name here, Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore, from Buffalo, famously or infamously, whatever you'd like to believe, uh, called Allen Robinson average after he was just torched by Robinson in 2015. But we'll move on from that. Does he have attitude issues? It, it just seems like he's the kind of guy that's not necessarily a trouble or a cancer in the locker room, but I think he's a me guy. Yeah. I, I mean, really do. And that's okay if you're producing. Yeah. You no, know? I mean, there, there's a lot of me football players who know they're yeah. good, and they like to let other people know it. But now, to- yeah, Gilmore, 26 years old, still has the prime of his career in front of him. Six foot tall, 190 pounds, good size for a corner. He's a he's been a man to man corner his whole career, which that's what you want in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. You get Jalen Ramsey man to man, and you get your other guy man to man, and then you just let the rest of the team do whatever they want to do. You can send more blitzes if you've got stuff like that going on. You know, safety blitzes where you don't need a safety covering over the top if you've got two elite corners. Uh, but Gilmore's probably gonna be looking for, you know the number one cornerback deal in football. Yeah. The only reason the only way I consider him is if Prince is absolutely not. Yeah. But if it's between them, give me Prince on money wise. And to be honest, I think Prince is equal to at least equal to what Stephen Stefan Gilmore can put produce on the field. Now an anonymous anonymous assistant coach Agrees with you. He would take Prince over Gilmore. Uh, I don't believe that I would take Prince over Gilmore. However, again, I did say I, I would be happy to have Prince back. But, you know, I think Gilmore has way more upside, way more big play potential. He had five interceptions in 2016 alone. That's one thing that we lack as a defense, his yeah. turnovers. So, I mean, he's an interesting guy. You've also got maybe the most likely free agent cornerback for the Jaguars, A.J. Boye, a product out of UCF, 2013, undrafted. He's only 25 years old, stands 6 foot tall, 190, pretty much the same as Gilmore, uh, height and weight-wise. He's a year younger. Um, He had a breakout season with the Texans last year, mostly covering number twos, but he did have success um, covering some number ones. And this, I believe it's the same anonymous NFL assistant coach, and I believe it was Ryan O'Halloran who talked to them uh, of the Florida Times Union. He said, this assistant coach says Boye and Ramsey would be lethal because they can both cover without a safety over the top, and uh, that just gives you so much more freedom to do more creative things on defense. Um, 
Some people believe Boye is the top guy on the market. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, the Texans would love to bring him back. All they've got at corner right now is Jonathan Joseph, who's 32 years old. He's aging. And Kareem Jackson, who's a good, not great player at 28 years old. They really, excuse me, they really would like to have Boye back, but they've got cap issues of their own, and they've got other players they have to sign. He's a guy that could very well hit the open market. Um, we've also got here uh, Tremaine Johnson, who he's all, he might be the second most famous name on the list. Uh, he's been a starter for the Rams for some time now. Uh, he was franchise tagged in 2016. And uh, if he was franchise tagged again this year, which the Rams... The Rams don't have a lot of money to spend on Tremaine Johnson, so they might have to franchise tag him again, and they don't have depth behind him. He would make over $16 million That's absurd. if he gets franchise tagged in 2017. That's absurd. It really is. For, for some uh, reference there, Darrell Rivas was the only cornerback in 2016 that got paid $16 million a year or more. Um, the Rams are going to want to keep him. You know, they just brought in Wade Phillips. Tremaine Johnson is would be key for them, having a legit number one starting cornerback. Uh, but who knows? They don't have the money. It's going to be really interesting. Um, and this is a guy that they franchise tagged over Janoris Jenkins. Right. This past Who ended up having a great season for the Giants. Yes. Now you've also got Logan Ryan from the Pats there, number two corner. He's 26 years old, 5'11", 195. You know, good good height-weight combo. Uh, he had five interceptions his rookie year, and he hasn't matched that number since then. But he averages three a year. It'd be nice to have Jaguars cornerbacks averaging three interceptions Yeah, we don't year. have that very much. <laughs> but, you know, he's struggled with consistency at times. He is a really physical, strong tackler. And in 2016, he was able to shut down guys like DeAndre Johnson and Demarius Thomas. Now, neither of them had the years they would have liked to have. So, take that with what you will. But then you've got Maurice, Morris Claiborne, who's a former first-round pick. He's a, He was labeled a bust for a while. He's really kind of turned it around, turned his career around. He's only 27. He just turned 27. He can, play, he can be inconsistent, but he has the size-speed combo you're looking for. And uh, he's, he's played very well over the last couple of years. He does have a lengthy injury history, which is certainly concerning. Um, moving over to possible Jonathan Cyprian replacements. In my estimation, there's only two real guys that would be able to play at Cyprian's level or higher that could be potential free agents. One of those is Eric Berry. Superstar. Who's just mm. one of the best safeties you'll ever see. There's not, yeah, there's not many players who would be above him on the list. Um, he may not be as strong as a run defender as Cyprian is, but he's a damn good run defender, and he's a damn good cover safety. And he's a freak athletically. Yeah. He's everything you want. <clears throat> now, he was also franchise tagged in 2016. He's publicly said he does not want to be franchise tagged and does not want to play under a franchise tag in 2017. And said will not sign. And... <laughs> There's only been five players since 2005 that have been franchise tagged two years in a row. So there's more chances that Eric Berry hits the hits free agency than than that he. 
gets franchise tagged. Now the Chiefs could try to work out some way to sign him. It's going to be a tough. real deal, but they've got tons of guys they need to go after too. They got three point four million dollars in cap space next right. year with so, Marcus Peters, D. Ford, um, Don Terry Poe that they still got to pay in the next year or two. Yeah. God, good luck. It's tough. They're they're in, they're in between a rock and a hard place with their roster situation right now. You've also got Tony Jefferson, who I believe is better than Jonathan Cyprian, but not by a lot. He is a much more twitchy athlete than Jonathan Cyprian. He looks faster. He looks more athletic. He looks twitchy. When you watch him, you'll see what I'm saying. And he's a missile, like a heat-seeking missile, when he sees a runner with the ball. And he just never takes bad angles like Cyprian. Now, Cyprian is actually faster. Yeah. And can cover more ground than Tony Jefferson, which is why Tony Jefferson went undrafted in 2013. However, in short areas, short spaces, Tony Jefferson can really explode and look like a top-notch athlete. When he gets in long foot races with receivers or running backs, he's probably going to lose. And if he gets out of position, he's not the type of guy that has the speed to get back in position. Uh... He doesn't get out of position very often, though. He's an instinctive, natural football player, and that's what you want to see. So, there's our list of guys, you know. We'd be happy to see Cyprian and Prince back, but I'd be happy to see any of these guys as Jaguars in 2017. Now, last five minutes or so, we're going to get into each of our top three free agents that the Jaguars must go and sign. I'll start with my number three guy. He's a guard from Detroit. Larry Warford, 26 years old. It's widely believed that he will hit free agency market and that the Lions will not re-sign him. He's had a little bit of ups and downs in his career, struggled with consistency at times, but he's far better than anything the Jaguars deployed at guard in 2016. He won't break the bank. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll pull a decent amount of money. but Now, I have heard that some people believe he's the second best guard behind Kevin Zeidler. Wow. So, he might be getting a big wow. paycheck. We'll see. That's not everybody. Because we've done a lot of research on this. Yeah. Me, both me and you have, Scott. And uh, I've only seen one person say that. So, we'll see. Um, uh, Hunter, who you got? who's your number three most important free agent? The Jaguars must sign. My number three is a guy that a couple weeks ago I said I would not want to go after. Interesting. It is. Flip the script. Yes. And let me preface this by saying what we had talked about earlier before we started was my prediction, not my prediction, my wants for the draft is one of my main reasons would be Kevin... Zeitler, 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 however you want to say it, from Cincinnati. Yeah, he's a he's a stud. Two weeks ago, I remember saying, (laughs) "Do not break the bank." (laughs) I do not want to break the bank on a guard. But if you go get Zeitler, 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 whatever it is, (laughs) and you go out and draft Leonard Fournette in the first round, you sure up that offensive line. You have something. That can, you build the trenches. Like, you do exactly what Tom Coughlin wants. You do exactly what the Jaguars seem like they want to be known for. And you have a chance to run the ball. Like, 
I feel like you'd be dumb not to. I don't necessarily agree with breaking the bank for a guard, mm-hmm. but when you have the money the Jaguars have, and there's a guy like Zeitler Sean who's... Sean back ain't going to break. No, but... <laughs> and considering what Zeitler's, what, 20... I think we talked 25? No, he's he's, 20, old. he's about 28. No, he's 26. No, 26. He's 26. I'm positive. Kevin oh, Zeitler is 26 okay. years old. So there you go. He's I am mistaken. 26 years old. Who could be a five, six year pro bowler after we get him. Yeah. And with my wants of the draft would be amazing. That's yeah. why I agree with you. I also have him as number three. Woo! Shoring up the offensive line for not not so much Leonard Fournette, but Dalvin Cook at number four. No. <laughs> Potentially <laughs> um, would be very exciting for me. Yeah. Well, back to me for my number two guy. It's a clean sweep for Zeitler. You yeah. guys both have him at three. I have him at two. The reason I have him at two is because I think shoring up the offensive line is the number one priority for the Jaguars in 2017 mm. offseason. And I want them to go get two guards. And I want them to look like the Oakland Raiders or the Dallas Cowboys or whoever the hell else you want to put out there. I want them to run the football. Yeah. I want them to make it easier for Blake Bortles. Plain and simple. Zyler's a stud. He's a pro bowler. He's going to play for a long time. Clean sweep. Go get him. <laughs> yeah. There's no There's no reason not to go get him. And he's very... You have the money. Yeah, he's very Unless you're competing the with the Browns, you've got more money. Spending $30 million on guards. God. <laughs> hey. I, you know what? I don't... Do it. Like th- 30 mil, I don't know if we'd be going like nearly 20, 25 mil. Yeah, it might be close to that. Yeah. 25 that's, mil that's, when you have 70 mil. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. <laughs> like, run the ball. <laughs> sure. Now, uh, who's your number two? My number two would be AJ Boye. AJ Boye, Boye. we just talked about. Yes. I no think, fly zone. I think one stealing a corner from a rival mm. in, in the division would be amazing. Huge. Yeah. But I think he's also a good-sized guy. That would be a great compliment, a possibly legendary compliment to – are blossoming rookie corner. So that would be an amazing. I'm also thinking in the secondary, but at a slightly further back position, uh, give me Eric Berry. Yeah. A potential Hall of Famer, already almost borderline now. Yeah, um, he could make the Hall of Fame if he retired today, maybe. It's He's just, he's too much of a freak athlete. He's he's unbelievable in in whatever he seems to do. Go get him. He will make this team immensely better. Um, and he's a playmaker at the back end of a defense that really needs it. Just imagine Eric Berry lining up deep right next to Jalen Ramsey and thinking about throwing on that side of the field. Good Lord. You're not going to do it. Lights out. And you can become more creative with your safeties, not necessarily relying on um, on Gibson, Gibson yeah. to, uh, to be the single make high guy. Cheer Gibson up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, move him Everybody around. Everybody complaining about how he was used Don't last year. Be a little bit less predictable. Yeah. Well, and that gets to my number one guy, Eric Berry. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're all pretty close here. Uh, You know, I just believe Berry and Ramsey together is a dominant force that probably doesn't have a comparison except for maybe Chancellor and uh, Richard Sherman out in Seattle. Mm. So go get them. Who's your number one? Three in a row? I'm going Eric Eric Berry. I'm going Eric Berry because I think Eric Berry, A.J. Boye, Sean Gibson, Jalen Ramsey. That would be 
Defensive backfield. Ridiculous. My lord, please God, try and throw. <laughs> yeah. Make it That's like, I, two guards, great offensive line, awesome. But think about those four dudes with the, the defensive line we have in front of them and a solid core of linebackers between Paz and Miles Jack and Telvin Smith. That's that's something to fear. And I'm I think, not Dan Scooter. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking about the black on black with John Henderson and stuff. You know that Duval Doom. Yeah, bring, scary bring it back. Exactly. Yeah, I'm 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 going off the book a little bit. It's still to me the premier position. Uh, defensive end, pass rusher, affect the quarterback, play good quarterback, and affect the quarterback. That's how you win in the league. Yep. Jason Pierre-Paul. Don't he's, hate it one bit. He's a one of the most athletic players to play defensive end in the NFL. He's a big body guy, can do anything you ask of him. Um, get to the quarterback, get some pressure, get somebody on the opposite for Unique, um, Fowler, uh, just something to help out, Make maybe make that window to throw that much smaller. Yeah, It's going to cause more turnovers, it's going to cause more pressure, make the quarterback think quicker. Um, it's, that's the way the league's going. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. Uh, I'd love to say CJPP. He's number five on my list. Yeah. Jaguars defensive line is pretty He's damn good right now. Yeah. But, you know, I would still love to see him. Um, so that's pretty much going to do it for our show today. Again, we're excited to announce that Generation Jaguar has its own seating section in 2006. Excuse me, 2017. I was about to say 2016. Probably because we're in section 216. Uh, so yeah, make sure to go check that out on the website, genjag.com. Go to our game day tab and then click on sit with us. You'll see all the information. Make sure to renew your tickets prior to February 28th. Uh, February 28th is the loyalty pricing deadline. So you'll save money by doing that. Um, and come sit with us. We'll have a good time. Cheer on the Jaguars and, uh, Hopefully watch a playoff caliber team in 2017. We'll see how that goes. Hopefully a much much improved Blake Bortles. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it's just still kind of surreal. We started Generation Jaguar two years ago as a blog. And now we've got our own seating section, fan group. We're doing our own damn podcast. We're having a good time. We've got, we've got a... Local high school football coach, a father of two, and then you just got good old me, Jordan. Big Jaguar fan. <laughs> the beard. The beard, yeah. The be- you guys can't see me, but my beard is very large and in charge right now. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm not going to deny that. Um, so, yeah, thanks for stopping by today. Thanks for listening to us. If you have any questions or comments, anything, please feel free to shoot me an email, jordan at jenjag.com, or just comment on this post and tell us how much you hate us how much you love us again this is the gen jag podcast find us at genjag.com on facebook and instagram at generation jaguar on twitter at generation jag you can find me jordan delugo at jordan delugo on facebook twitter and instagram you can find hunter evans who's coach hunter evans hmm. at hunter underscore evans underscore seven and of course you can find scott klein at scott klein one Thanks for listening, everybody. For Scott Klein and Hunter Evans, I'm Jordan DeLugo. Have a great day, Jacksonville.